Blog Talk Radio. And yes, you're listening to the Queen of Expression, and I'm coming to you live all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of Africa. And as you can probably tell, (laughs) I am, I was just a little bit, you know, I'm trying not to be frustrated because, um, you know, this is supposed to be the first show of the year, and, you know, I was... I've been looking forward to just, you know, having a great conversation with my very special guest who I can tell, I mean, who's here already and, you know, and of course, apparently maybe we forgot to pray to the gods of technology because as usual, <laughs> I just realized that every time it's showtime, like 30 minutes before showtime and they strike and, you know, but, you know, welcome to the Naked Talk. Welcome to the Hop for Real Authentic Conversation. And God, I hope that you can hear me clearly wherever you're listening from around the world. Um, you know, we do not, um, you know, we keep it real here on the show, right? It's all about unscripted, uncensored, uncut conversations. And, you know, like I always say, expression is a sign of strength and not weakness. And we do not apologize for, you know, for being who we are. We don't apologize for experience. 
experiences or for how we feel or for what we think, you know, we just celebrate it. And, of course, you know, we encourage, you know, um, conversation, right, authentic, open conversation. And, you know, it's always a pleasure. It's always an honor to be able to come here, you know, every week and uh, have amazing influences from around the world who are bold enough and ballsy enough to come on the show and just share their experience, you know, share their experience, their wisdom, and, you know, just some of the things that they've learned a lot of, a lot of the times the hard way, but they're able to just share that with us and inspire us and impact us and even, you know, um, motivate us, right, to take action. So I'm very excited about today's show, and I'm very excited about my guest. And, yes, wherever you're listening from around the world, don't forget that this conversation is interactive. So, yes, you can be part of the conversation. Now, today on the show on TNT uh, 101, right, the last time we were here on the show, we had our 100 live show, and I had the amazing Samir Samal, um, uh, chief uh, CFO and co-founder of Blue Ocean Global Technology, and he joined me all the way from New York. And we had a great conversation about building relationships and, you know, the power of just collaborating and relationship in, you know, building a business. And so, uh, that was a, a really great conversation. I mean, if you missed that conversation, anything else that conversation, don't forget that you can catch all our, all our shows, and they're archived here 24-7, or you can listen to The Naked Talk on any of our syndicated radio channels. You can catch us. We're syndicated on we're on TuneIn Radio. You can catch us on Player FM. We're on Acast. We're also syndicated on uh, Port Africa in Uganda. You can catch us on Castbox FM. We're on Radio Public. We're on Podcastpedia. We're on Good Radio Network. And, you know, we're separate. We're, we're quite a number of places. So if you want to go, oh, just go to our official website. Go to www.thenakedtalk.live because we're live. And, of course, you can catch up on all the conversations. So, yes, you have no reason whatsoever to miss any show. So this week, uh, just before we get into you know the uh, you know our, our conversation with my guest. You know this the new issue, the bold uh, 2018 bold issue of Bragg is out. And yes, you know on the cover of Bragg we have an amazing our former guest of the show, right, Adriana Gavazzoni. She is um, Brazilian author and lawyer from from uh, Brazil, and she's on the cover of Bragg for this season. And of course, they're amazing conversations and. Yes, I remember, you know, we had Jack H.M. Wong here, and we talked about cracking the entrepreneurial code, and we had some other amazing people who are as well featured in this issue of Bragg. And, yes, if you want to get a copy, maybe your digital copy, you want to get a print, you know, a glossy print or whatever it is, don't forget to head on to www.thebraggclub.com and click on magazine. And, of course, you can, you know, get a copy of the new issue of Bragg. So, yes, today on TNT 101, we're – going to be talking about how to become unstoppable in the face of adversity. Now, what if you could take control of your life and persevere even when it seems like you are out of choices? Now, today's guest was a recipient of, uh, you know, frequent physical abuse by his father, which turned him to drinking at a young age of eight and, you know, just drug abuse um, at a very young age as well, which with his challenge in childhood, which led him down a dangerous path and, a, you know, a ghastly hit and run accident that also almost, well, maybe try to ruin his career. Now, very excited. I'm trying not to give up. You know, I'm trying not to give out so much. <laughs> I kind of realized that I was about to give out a little bit too much. Right. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have with me my very special guest who's joining me live all the way from California, USA. By the way, he's a, you know, he's a former sports star, color of sports athlete. He's also an inspirational speaker and an author. He's an author of several amazing books. And I'm so, so, so honored to have with me Joey Ortiz, who's joining me live all the way from California. Hi, Joey. Welcome to the Naked Talk. Alex. Thank you so much for having me, um, and I am definitely technologically challenged. I've been <laughs> uh, battling the phone for the last 20 minutes, but thank you for having me, and bless you for your patience. Well, well you know, I'm glad to have you here. We're both actually, you know, fighting with technology, so this is great. Well, not, not great, but, you know, so I'm just trying to let you know that I'm dealing with the same thing. So we've been back and forth, back and forth, and I guess maybe we didn't pray to the gods of technology. I'm not really sure what it is, but I'm very excited to have you here on the show. And, you know, I, I really wanted, you know, I, I was about to reel out just, you know, a little bit about your life. And then I realized I was about to give out, you know, I was about to give it all away. So, and I feel like I'm not, you know, the one who's going to tell, I'm not going to do a very good job of just, you know, telling your story and introducing you. And I am so intrigued because you have, definitely lived, right? You've lived quite a bit. But, you know, let's get a little naked here. Who is Joey? Who's Joey Ortiz? I mean, who is the Joey Ortiz today that's right here on the show? And how would you describe the man behind the incredible life that you've had? Wow. Um, God. I'm, I guess I'm just relentless. Uh, for the longest time, Alex, I, it really worked against me and for me at the same time. Um until I really just got out of my own way. I mean, I made life so hard really on myself and I always was stacking the deck against myself. So my relentless spirit um, kept me going forward, but also at the same time really was getting me going in reverse, probably at uh, twice the speed as I was going forward. So I was always working against myself, but I'm blessed. I'm fortunate. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, my, I think I'm my, my biggest uh, cheerleader, if you would, but I'm also, for the longest time, mm-hmm. was always my worst enemy at the same time. So basically just gave up on beating myself up and um, started rowing the boat in the same direction as the Lord was always pulling me in, even though I didn't know it. You know, I think it's very interesting that you say that, you know, you're now like pretty much your biggest cheerleader and, you know, how you basically were your kind of like your worst enemy. And I think that, you know, a lot of people deal with that. You know, some of us, we beat ourselves and, you know, we're, um, for lack of a better word, I'm trying to find the word, but, you know, we're, we, we're basically, you know, we're, like you said, you know, you were making lots of choices that kind of just seemed like you didn't, you know, like you were totally, like you said, your worst enemy but you were totally against yourself and now you've come to a place where you feel blessed because you're now your biggest cheerleader and of course there's been quite a bit of transformation and I know that we're going to talk about that transformation but let's go back just let's take us a little backward and I say this because you know there are so many people who are probably tuning in not probably but you know we've been you know I've been getting a lot of messages actually and people are very interested in trying to get into the conversation for today with you and um, people listening from different parts of the world some people who've not had the privilege of coming across you and just your amazing work and all but let's go back I know that you know quite a lot about adversity and pain 
So I kind of want us to talk a little bit about growing up. You know, what was it like for Joey? You know, what was little Joey like growing up, um, you know, in your family? And what did it feel like? Because, I mean, reading your story, obviously you've experienced, you know, a bit of abuse and, you know, living with – you know, I just want to get a hang of it because um, what was it like growing up as a child? Well, you know, it was was pretty painful, um, initially just from you know the hands of my um my father um you know beat me really you know i think it was like five six years old with a horse whip for about six months on end but uh you know that same um trial trials and tribulations i was going through also like i said made me relentless i didn't know it at the time but um you know mm-hmm. it um it kept me locked in on you know really just focusing on, you know, I had to endure whatever the circumstances that I was faced with at that time. And then, so as as things continued to, you know, I got a little bit older and a little bit older and got involved in sports. It really just was a matter of, I was going to do whatever I had to do to persevere, to, you know, to work hard. I never had, I never Mm -hmm. had trouble, even as a young kid, as far as working hard and being the hardest worker, you know, two paper routes and, you know, working Mm -hmm. with a work permit as soon as I could get one. Um, Always the first one on the football field, always the last one to leave baseball, soccer, boxing, whatever I was involved in athletically. But um, like I said, those same um, desires and passions as far as working hard, that same attitude really worked against me because once I started drinking at a young age, eight years old, and then smoking weed at 12, it, it, it was that same, you know, it was not just have one beer or two beers mm-hmm. at a young age, which you shouldn't drink at all. It was drink myself into oblivion. So it was the same passion that wow. I had on the athletic, you know, in the athletic arena that mm-hmm. evolved over to, I mean, I was 13 years old in nightclubs locally. So you're not supposed to do that either, but it, you know, it was that same mm-hmm. drive. I had the, I had that drive and, what I didn't know at the time, I you know having that dark side that all of us are really uh, born with as a as a gift, it took me 38 years to turn it into an art so and control it. Okay, you you know what, Joey, I'm a little intrigued, and I say this because you know, like I said, we have people who are listening from different parts of the world, people who are listening live or who would still catch, you know, the archive show. And this is interesting because you started drinking at the age of eight. So you're this little boy who started drinking, and it's not like you were having one beer, one glass, or, you know, like you were really, you know, like you're an like you're the extremist, right, very excessive with everything you were doing from clubbing to partying to doing. But I'm wondering, like, how did an eight-year-old, like how does this eight-year-old stumble on, you know, um, what was it? What was it about alcohol that just you know that you found? What was it about it that you found comfort in? And, and I say this because again, I live here in Africa, and there are lots of you know kids, children who are who may not even realize that they are being abused by their parents. It's, it's weird. Again, maybe the cultural difference. You know when you know so, you know a parent spanks you, or spanks you at a daily, and spanks you beyond you know known as correction, right? You know, a child may not even realize that they're being abused. But what I'm just saying is, what was it about alcohol and partying and drugs and all of those things that made you? I mean, how did you? How did you even find it in the first place? I mean, how did you get it? How did you discover it? Well, I, you know, I grew up in the '70s in the United States, so I'm assuming I can speak on that 
you know, as a kid, when you're, mm-hmm. you're young, you know, you're, you know, you get, you know, you, let's say you had your teething. So your, your parents or grandparents or somebody would a lot of times rub alcohol in your gums. Or when you got sick, you know, they make mm-hmm. this concoction back in the day called a hot toddy. Mm-hmm. That was in the seventies. So I'm assuming it happened probably before then as well. Not so much now mm-hmm. because of, you know, just we've kind of evolved as human beings, I'd like mm-hmm. to think. But so, you know, I, I, I was, had a, the taste of alcohol in my system at a younger age, actually before I started drinking, but around eight years old, you know, um, having a great mom, I'm a mama's boy. And, you know, dad was gone at the time. And I saw this beer stacked up all around my house. And then I realized, Hey, look, you know, my grandfather, may he rest in peace. But at the time he was working for a beer distributor for, I think like 30 plus years. So I had all the beer in the neighborhood. So I was that kid that everybody wanted to hang out with (laughs) at eight. With no father figure around, so all the younger kids in the neighborhood, hey Joey, you know, let's have some beers. You know, okay, start mm-hmm. off as one, and then <laughs> as that whole disease evolves, becomes two, three, four, five, and mm-hmm. you know, and you never look back until you stop or die. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, what I think is very interesting is, okay, so you were this young boy who obviously was surrounded by alcohol and friends and, you know, picked up a habit and, and, and that kind of, but then you go from being this, you know, young boy, this little boy who was getting abused and doing the dr- drinking to, to kind of like a teen who sort of sort out, you know, kind of like channeled and, you know, I'm using your, your word, but basically channeled your anger right, to play football. So at what point, you know, at what point did you, I mean, at what point did you discover that you had um, just interest, right, in, you know, in being an athlete? You know, at what point did you decide, you discover that, you know, you had the love or interest for, you know, being um, a sportsman or being an athlete? Well, like I said, releasing that pent-up rage, that was a, obviously a great mm-hmm. avenue to release it. And then because of the same work habits, it's, you know, I found something, hey, look, I'm good at it. And then all of the things mm-hmm. growing up in this okay. area as I did in, in Sacramento, California, Alex's being from, you know, the high school I went to, Cordova, it was a powerhouse football team. So all of a sudden, here, look, mm-hmm. not only are you good at something, you're a star, you're put on a pedestal, you're all of a sudden, quote-unquote, special you know, you get clothes, and, mm-hmm. you know, food and, you know, you know, you don't have a problem getting a date kind of thing. So, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> at the time, I thought it was the only way to live. In retrospect, it it was uh, mm-hmm. only fueling the fire that I didn't need to have any fuel put on if you would. Um, but because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just making me that guy kind of thing. But um, I mean, it was great. I have no, I have no, um, um, qualms about anything that I was able to achieve or not achieve on the sports arena, but uh, a football field specifically, but um, it, it just, it was, it, for me, it was a great thing because it enabled me to, you know, just focus on something that I was really good at because I worked so hard at it. And um, it, at the time it was a way to, for me to get, uh, you know, an education for free which was the, probably the mm-hmm. most important thing because my, my mom couldn't afford mm-hmm. it or nobody in my family at the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So then you got offered scholarship and, you know, like you got offered scholarship and then of course you had this bright future and you were going to play, you know, football and then what happens, <laughs> you know, something happened and, you know, and then I think, you know, so let's talk a little bit about just how, 
you went from being this MVP, let's call it that, you know, your life as an MVP, and before that fatal accident that almost kind of like pretty much snatched your dream. So what was it like? You know, I mean, you were this young all-star athlete in you know, school. You're trying to get an education. And then, you know, this accident. So tell us a little bit about this accident that kind of like changes everything dramatically for you. Well, the, the season, the at the beginning of that season, prior to me actually even getting hit, I had to endure the first death that, uh, as a, you know, 20 year old um, when there was a double murder in my family, when my sister's fiance was executed locally. So I, oh, I wow. was spinning out. Of, I was spinning completely out of control emotionally. And so all that anger and rage that I had even up to that point, Alex, I had to do something to, you know, I, release this pent up fury that I had. And it was just, a, I mean, I, looking back, it was this, I mean, I was an emotional night, Mayor, but uh, football was my avenue, and I had the greatest season ever because I I had that um, football field to you know vent on daily at practice mm-hmm. on the weekends during the games, and and then mm-hmm. moving you know forward when I lost it all on uh, in April of 1991 when I did get hit by a car, it, it, it wasn't even a question about you know. Once I came out of my coma three days after actually getting hit by a car, it, there was no question in my mind that I was going to play football again. It didn't matter that I had 18 major injuries and lost, you know, half my left leg. But um, when the doctor told me I was never going to play again, I just I cussed him out literally and got kicked out of the hospital four days later with all those injuries and went home and had to figure out then what I was going to wow. do. And, but so the as far as the actual event happening. It happened because I wasn't paying attention and I was in the wrong position. I was drunk and high at a party I should have never been at. But, um, you know, it happened because it was supposed to because I put myself in that position to actually let it happen by not paying attention and um, not focusing on what was the ultimate goal, which was, you know, education, football, and then see what happens beyond that point. And I got caught slipping and I ended up paying for it. Okay, so I I need to just you know I I I and that you know it it's great. I mean here's here's the thing you're you you're saying this and you're taking responsibility for your action by saying you know, you know it happened because I was you know at the wrong place or I was you know drunk and I probably should have paid attention. But I I kind of want to get into the psychology of what it what it felt like for your mom, for example. I mean, because I'm, I'm sure that she was hoping that you were going to get the education and you were going to be, you know, the star athlete and you were going to bring some sort of glory, right, to the family if, you know, I'm just assuming. Um, so what was it like to now be stuck with a child who the doctors are saying, you know, might not play football again, right? And you have all these injuries and you have to go through like 18 different injuries. You know, you have all these different injuries and, and what, I just want to understand the dynamic, like the internal dynamics or, you know, just what was going on at home, right? You know, with your, with your mom and you, and how did you get over it? I mean, how did you finally get, I mean, because again, like you said, you were in coma, you got out of coma and, you know, what happened to the, you know, the scholarship? Did you, you know, what happened to the scholarship? You lost it or you got it or, you know, just. 
Oh, every, everything went away overnight. I mean, from friends to, you know, football scholarship offers. And, and nobody's ever said it. My mom's never, still to this day never said it, but it goes without saying. My mom worked for the state of California for almost 30 years, struggling to make ends meet. And I was mm-hmm. the quote-unquote ticket out of the hood kind of thing, if you would. But um mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and I grew up in a middle class area, but I was, you know, I was our meal ticket. And I, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. taking full responsibility, I beat myself up for many years because of that event. But, um, you know, um, my mom gets a phone call, literally, Alex, at, uh, at 1230 uh, that night and saying, hey, look, Joey got hit by a car. They didn't say where, he, you know, where I was sent to or whatever. She just started driving around to hospitals because this is obviously before cell phones and everything and found out that I was life lighted. Um, I was in the hospital, like I said, a week, three of those days were in a coma. It took me four days to get kicked out of the hospital. And then I sat at home in a, literally in a um, reclining chair for a day, basically just comatose, probably 20, 15, 20 Vicodin in my system, a couple of beers and a little bit of weed and, you know, not much food. I didn't have any teeth really in the front of my mouth and I was broken entirely, but, um, it took me a, a day. I, I took my sister's car, cut my cast off, went to the gym with a catheter bag over my shoulder, completely out of my mind, high on painkillers. And everybody at the gym, they knew me, obviously, local kid at my local gym, telling me to go home. And, you know, I laugh about it now, but I was so messed up and um, stood up, got, you know, broke one of the crutches over my bad leg and threw them into the, you know, the snack bar with a full house. Everybody's saying they're going to call the cops. I might call them. And, you know, it was, it was a desperate time, but it was a desperate time for me to figure out what I was going to do about, you know, challenging myself like I'd never been challenged before mm-hmm. because it was, a, it was, it was more than coming back football wise. Cause I knew, I mean, it didn't take a genius to figure it out. Even at 20 years old, completely destroyed physically, that I was done athletically because, you know, Mm -hmm. at my best day, all kidding aside, Alex, I was probably 70% on the practice field five months later. But, you Mm -hmm. know, from going from superstar playing all the time to maybe playing seven to five downs a game, the mental Mm -hmm. anguish post coming back was a billion times greater than the physical torm, you know, torture going through the comeback on a daily, if not second Mm -hmm. um, ordeal physically because I was washed up um, athletically and I lost it all. And I was so mad at myself. I wasn't mad at anybody but myself. And, um, Mm. you know, then it got worse and we'll talk about that, no doubt, but it was just a matter of, you know, me um, proving a point to the doctor that told me I never play again. And everybody that abandoned me overnight, including schools, including, you know, all these friends and uh, the entre- my first entourage and and just uh, huh? I didn't even know it at the time but um you know it was it was uh it was such a tr- it was such a trial or baptism by fire if you would but it ultimately saved uh-huh. me it took years to figure out you know I I find the conversation that you know this conversation we're having very you know very interested and I'm really thinking of the psychological Part. And there's something you said that stood out for me, and, and that is that you were very, like, you were pretty upset and you were very mad, but you weren't exactly mad at anybody else but yourself. 
and you know you all you kept doing was just acting out right and you just felt abandoned and alone and you felt like all of this was your fault and you lost it but this is what i'm going to do joey hold the thoughts don't go anywhere we're going to take like a quick let's take a quick uh break let's take a quick uh what's it called commercial break and we'll be back don't go anywhere You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. You're listening to the Naked Talk. It's so uncensored. She keeps it real. She keeps it straight. She tells it like it is no matter who's afraid to bear. <laughs> You're listening to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. QTAB Events, your one-stop shop for A-class events and entertainment, international artist management and promotion, logistics management, project management, and brand enhancement. With affiliates across South Africa, UK, Benin Republic, Togo, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, and Cameroon. Wouldn't you rather let our dynamic team treats you like the respectable clients that you are, taking away the stress from your business. Taking away the stress from your business. Okay, okay. Welcome back to the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. And yes, you're listening to the Queen of Expression. My name is Alex and I am coming to you live all the way from Lagos, Nigeria in the heart of Africa. Yay! (laughs) Now if you're just joining us, wherever you're listening from around the world, whether you're here in in Africa or you're wherever you're listening from around the world anyway, this is still the hub for real authentic conversation like never before. And yes, just before when that little uh, commercial break, you know, I'd been talking to my very special guest who's joining me live all the way from California uh, in the USA. And, yes, he is uh, a former sports star. He's you know, a former sport athlete, and he is, as well, an inspirational speaker and author of several books. And I am just, you know, we even have a great conversation, really, about his journey. And today we're talking about what it takes, you know, just how to become unstoppable in the face of adversity. And we're going to get into that conversation. Well, don't forget, if you're listening, you can be part of this conversation. Don't forget that you can call into the show, um, you know, the number to call wherever you're calling from, 323-642-1693. The number is right on top of your screen. Uh, if you're calling from outside the U.S., plus one, 323 And if you're calling from within the U.S., dial as a local number. And don't forget that you can also join this conversation on Twitter. Don't forget to hashtag the Naked Talk. And of course, you know, your conversations will be mentioned or read right here on the show. Or you can send us a question. Send a question to hello at the naked talk live. And of course your question uh will be read to Joey right here on the show. So um Joey, welcome back. Hi Joey. 
Yes. Hello, we're here. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. Okay, so just before we went on that you know, break, we've been talking about, you know, you getting out of the hospital, right, being kicked out of the hospital four days after you got out of coma and just how you were acting up and how you were very mad at yourself. And so I know this because in your book, Correcting a Reckless Life, um, you write about just a journey, right? 30 years of had drinking and 13 years of daily cocaine. So obviously, you know, I want to believe that you didn't come out of that accident feeling like, hey, I'm a changed person, <laughs> right? Um, you went back to doing drugs and the had drinking and all of that, if I'm correct. Absolutely. You know, I like I said, I started smoking weed at 12, and then I was 23 when someone said, hey, you want a line of Coke? And I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, sure, let's try it, and boom. And that was a, you know, 12 to 14-year, 15-year, mm-hmm. you know, just chasing that little, you know, gorilla um, daily around the clock. Um, it was – and that 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 took um, a really um, – wild uh, fast-paced life and just threw it into you know oblivion that that was that was the roller coaster ride of could be because it was always trying to hold on to my I was already emotional wrecked because I was so furious at myself because of what I put myself through um, and losing that football career and then tied tying that knot on with you know more drugs of that type was it was um, it was absolute um, mayhem at times and uh, ultra scary mm-hmm. and uh, very, very dark. Okay. So now here we do. So now what changed, you know, I'm now curious at what point, you know, what changed because you've lived, you know, you lived this life very early on, you know, experiment flirting with not flirting, but really experiment leaving, you know, with, with drugs and alcohol. And I want to believe that you carry that, quite along into your adulthood, right? So at what point did you change? You know, at what point did you decide, you know, what enough is enough? You know, and how were you able to make, you know, I'm re- really curious, at what point did it snap for you and you go, you know what, I've had enough of this, right? What changed? At wh- when did you change? When did you decide to change? Well, it was, it was, for me, it was really a perfect, very short storm. I had been, you know, up until 11, 27, 2008 drinking and you know getting using drugs around the clock and just you know it was all about of consumption you know whether it was food and alcohol and drugs and shopping and gambling and anything I could get my hands on to try to make myself feel better and then the smallest Uh of arguments literally the smallest of arguments with my then wife she left um, which was a blessing in disguise and I walked over to the refrigerator, literally, it was probably six to eight feet to grab my last beer because that was my only coping skill that I had at the time. And I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that one beer and I just literally, Alex, I closed the refrigerator, I sat down and I was going to walk up to the store two to three blocks to get some more beer and I fell asleep. And I know now that was the first, not I shouldn't say first, but it was one of many times that the Lord intervened in my life when he knocked me out because I wasn't even really drunk and I had drank way more, mm-hmm. much more than that over the years, but I, mm-hmm. I fell asleep. I think I had eight beers in me. I woke up the next day and I'm like, you know what? I feel pretty good today and I only drank eight. So let's not drink today at all. 
and that was when it started and it was one day and one day and one day and you know i'm nine years and two or three months into this thing and it's it's been in my opinion the best thing to ever happen to me outside of having kids and being married and you know giving my life to the lord um in 2009 uh just i just really gave up but and it wasn't this perfect you know well-conceived plan that I sat around for months going, you know, I'm going to quit drinking on, on January 1st of 2009. I just literally had to just, I don't know, maybe, maybe grow up. I had to do a lot of things, but I had to do it really quick because I was circling the drain. I didn't know it at the time, but I went to the doctor a few days later and he's like, Hey, uh, you should be dead. It's a good thing you quit drinking. And you know, the rest is history up to this point. You know, I'm 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 trying to listen. I'm listening through this because I know that there's somebody who's listening who's probably de- dealing with some form of addiction, right? Whatever kind of addiction that is. But yeah. you know, you make it sound so easy. Like you know, you make it sound so easy because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You know, you deal with this for like how many years? And then one day you have a couple of bottles, and the next day you're like, you know what? I feel good too. Like. I know that it's. I know that it, of course, so so much time has passed, and but I'm really like. So, it wasn't like you know there is an angel, Holy Ghost, something. No. No, you're you're so right, and, and it's not. Um, so, so this is just you just going. You know what? I'm done. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Yeah, and it. No, I'm sorry. It's not, it, and I I don't want to make it um, sound you know, small, like a small thing, because there's people out there all around the world that, I mean, the number is infinite almost, the, the people that are struggling. And I don't want to make it sound like it was this minor task or this, um, you know, making it sound elementary because it really wasn't. And I don't want to downplay the importance of it because that's not my mission. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. But um, to correct mm-hmm. myself is that um, it wasn't a well-conceived plan. It wasn't something that I thought about and dwelled about. It was something that I said, hey, look, I made a decision like I had made a decision out of the hospital when I made a decision when I was going to play football again. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't sit around and Google anything because it didn't exist at the time. I didn't get caught up in too much information. I failed my way forward mm-hmm. on a daily basis, and I made it easy because, you know what, There's, I live currently blocks away from a liquor store. It's everywhere. So if I wanted to be involved in that, I could. I just realized, I think about three mm-hmm. months into sobriety, and it was 90 days in. It wasn't hard because I started feeling better day by day. So sick as I got over 38 years, mm-hmm. it took me one day at a time to get feeling just a little bit better. And as I inched my mm-hmm. way forward, Alex, um, I realized about 90 days in, you know what, I'm my only problem. The problem ain't the liquor store. Mm. The problem ain't the dope house. The problem ain't the weed. The problem's me. And so once I mm. said, hey, look, I'm the problem, not the fact that the bar's here, the bar's there, all my buddies mm. doing what I – I took ownership of, hey, look, it's all about, you know, my decisions. So, you know, hey, mm-hmm. look, you guys want to go drink? That's cool. I can't hang with you. You know, and you say this, and this is so important, uh, you know, and I, I love that we have this kind of conversations because you just said something that really struck me, and, and that is that you realized that 
it was you had the power, right? That it was up to you to make the change, right? That it wasn't, and I think that that's what happens. That a lot of us blame outside sources, right? We blame other things, you know, for the actions or the choices that we make, right? Why you're not, you know, you're still, you know, why you're, you know, drinking so much? Well, what would I do? You know, there's a beer, you know, there's a bar just right next to me, right? It's not my fault because, you know, my friends are, you know, we have all of these excuses, you know, and we blame other things for the choices that we make or do not make. And so I love that you share this because whoever's listening understands that, like you said, it wasn't a thought out plan. And maybe if it was, you probably wouldn't have succeeded. Who knows? But, you know, it wasn't a thought out plan. You didn't exactly, you know, it just, you just came to, you know, a realization and you figured it out that, you know, at the end of the day, it was up to you. And so you set out to make, you know, good, better choices. I, I love, you know, I, I'm, you know, pretty um, just pumped by that. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I want to take, how about we take, let's take a quick, I feel like we did a little bit of music. Let's take a quick musical break. And we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Now, this is Fear of Landing by Peter Kelly. And Peter Kelly was a former guest on the show. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back. Enjoy. I can see crazy in your eyes. Red paces. Your night was better than mine. A little change might do you well But you won't buy what I try to sell So who Do your thing Do your thing And who Cause you're hopeless And I'm helpless Cause when you go
Yes, and that was Scott Crocuff. Uh, that was Don't by Scott Crocuff, another one of our guests on the show. And then, of course, the first song was uh, Fear of London by Peter Kelly. Peter Kelly and Scott, both from New York, right? And they've been former guests on this show. Well, hey, this is Still the Naked Talk with Alex Akurji and wherever you're listening from around the world, welcome. And thank you for, you know, just staying with us here and, and for tuning in and listening to our very unscripted, uncensored conversation with my very special guest, Joey Ortiz. He is an inspirational speaker and author, and he's joining me live all the way from California. And yes, you know, just before we went to that, you know, little, well, the musical break, we, we've been having a great conversation actually about his journey and just what it's been like for him, you know, growing up as a little kid, you know, who, uh, you know, had experienced a little bit, you know, domestic, had experienced abuse and, and drugs and alcohol and just, you know, what it took for him to decide, you know, and say enough is enough and kind of like make a change in his life. And yeah, so it's been a pretty interesting conversation. And if you know anyone who needs to be in here right now, they need to get their butts in right now into the show and of course, uh, join us. And of course, you can always catch the you know, you can catch the archive if you're just tuning in. You can definitely catch the archive show. We're here 24-7, so you have no reason whatsoever to miss any part of this conversation. So, welcome back, Joey. Hey, Alex. So, you know, just before we went on, you know, on, on the musical break, you'd been talking about just, you know, that moment when you decided that, you know, you had had enough, right, and that you were feeling a bit better, and it was one step at a time. You know, you had decided that it was up to you to make that choice, and you did make that choice. And, of course, so you've transitioned from basically leaving a reckless life to sort of becoming unstoppable, right, and becoming an unstoppable force and an inspiration to many. So let's talk a little bit about your book. I know that you wrote a book called Unstoppable, the Joey, you know, the Joey O.T. story. So let's talk about your book um, and why you decided to write this book and what is in this book anyway. You know, what, what is the content of this book? What is this book about? Well, it's about what I, um, what I saw and what I felt throughout my journey. Um, mm-hmm. It's been very powerful, even back, going back to the first book I wrote, Correcting Reckless Life, like you mentioned earlier, it, it, initially mm-hmm. it was – an investment in telling my story, but also a couple thousand dollars of books that I gave away locally to people say, you know, here, look, read this. And, you know, and I knew what I was doing uh, and it, and it impacted mm-hmm. a lot of lives. And, and that was so rewarding for me because, you know, it's, it's not something that everybody is impacted by, but it impacted enough people. And then once mm-hmm. I started getting calls locally and a little more media things going on and, you know, and then it just kind of exploded from there outward and outward and outward. And then even getting calls from different places around the world um, Mm -hmm. over the years. And it was just something I was like, Hey, look, you know, because initially it was just about telling my story. And then when I saw how it impacted others and at the same time I was losing friends left and right that weren't fortunate enough to turn their life around as I was mm-hmm. blessed to do. Um, and and if I could say one thing that I think it has to be said is I'm not that guy that's saying, hey, look, don't drink. And my wife has a couple glasses mm-hmm. of wine here and there, and that's okay. But, you know, if it becomes mm-hmm. as it was for me and it was for so many people mm-hmm. that I became connected with through telling my story mm-hmm. and handing out books and sharing my message, when it becomes work, mm-hmm. when it becomes a daily task to, you know, 
function as an mm-hmm. alcoholic or function as an addict, mm-hmm. that crutch that we mm-hmm. initially, um, Alex, lean on that we're um, blaming ourselves, kind of speak, when mm-hmm. it finally breaks and you can then take ownership and stop blaming yourself, magical things can happen. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen in so many lives, not just myself, but those are, you know, a lot of people around me. And um, that, for me, has been the greatest gift personally that um, my story, my message has been able to affect people's lives other than mine. You know, it's, I love that. And here's the thing, you know, if you don't deal with, if you don't deal with uh, addiction, if someone doesn't deal with addiction, it's so easy for them not to understand, to write how liberating and how inspiring you know, your story, uh, you know, your story overcoming that can be to someone who's dealing with some form of addiction because a lot of people struggle with something. It could be anything, you know. I think, you know, I was joking recently on social media and a friend of mine, you know, actually I was talking to a film director and we've been chatting, you know, we're chatting about something, we're talking about, you know, a a new film. And, you you know, he would joke and say, you know what, you work addict, you know, you're still awake at this time. And, you know, it was a joke, but I'm starting to think, wait, hey, wait a second, am I addicted to work? <laughs> and, you know, we joke about it and we say that, you know, we joke about it and we say, oh, you know, you're a junkie. I'm a creative junkie. But if I was honest, maybe I am. But not only is that it, maybe it's also affecting other aspects of your life, right? Because then when you should have fun and be regular and be normal and be human and do the things that normal human beings do your age, like go out and have a life. You don't because you're working and you can't seem to take yourself away from it, even though you want to. So I can totally imagine that somebody deals with, you know, alcohol or drugs or sex addiction or whatever kind of addiction. And they need to hear this story because they need to, and then maybe they're waiting for this magical thing to happen that will kind of jolt them to change. And here is your case. There is nothing magical that happened. It wasn't like the angels came down from heaven singing. It wasn't like, you know, there was something, any particular. I mean, yes, maybe you did have the experience of going through divorce, but there wasn't really anything, you know, like, you know, like you said, it wasn't planned. It wasn't, you know, you just somehow just made up your mind. And so I think that it's important that we're having this conversation that they're not, you know, you know, sometimes you're waiting for the breakthroughs to come in a particular kind of way. And when it doesn't come, it's like, oh, it's not yet time, right? Meanwhile, it's up to you to make that time or to decide when that time is, not waiting for some mystical thing to happen that would decide for you. So I, I, I'm enjoying that we're having this conversation. And you talked about your book. So let's, um, you know, now through all of this transformation, I want to say that I'm sure that there are people that you admire, people that you might say have been great influences sort of in your journey and in the transformation. Maybe, I don't know, do you have, like, are there any people that, you know, have been sort of like a great influence for you, positive influence? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, I can start with um, Max Miller, Hall of Fame football coach that um, was like really my second father figure, if you would, maybe third. Um, The -hmm. late, great um, Hall of Fame football coach, Ron Belka, same thing. You know, backing up throughout my life and, you know, just the chaos that I created and burning bridges and blowing up relationships and people turning their back on me, these guys never did. 
Um, and then I can even mm. also add, you know, Ronnie Belka, lifelong friend of mine. I grew up with him, played football with him at a young age. His dad, like I said, was one of my mentors growing up. Um, he's never left my side. And, and there's Matt Overton there, and, other, and Brandon Houston. There's a, there's a really close-knit – of course, we all know a lot of people. Alex, I'm sure you know tons and tons of people, but for me specifically, mm-hmm. as I was burning these bridges and in some cases actually blowing bridges up um, and, <laughs> you know, just ruining relationship after relationship, my core group of people, obviously my mom, um, my kids now, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's those are the people that I can always count on. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said um, – you know, it's for me. It was just you know being honest with myself, and then mm-hmm. being transparent. That that helped me. Mm-hmm. That helped me first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But that same honesty helped a lot of people in the, at the same time because you know I, mm-hmm. it wasn't about me going around bragging, saying you know I'm a 30 year functioning alcoholic or I'm a 12 to 15 mm-hmm. year around the clock coke, coke addict. I wasn't bragging mm-hmm. about it. I was being transparent, saying, hey, look, you know. There's hope because if I can get through it, mm-hmm. I know you can. I got more confidence in you than you may have mm. in yourself. So I'm looking at you now, eyes wide open. What are you going to do about it? Mm. Some people responded. Mm. A lot of people responded. Some didn't. And um, but you know, I I won't give up on my journey. What I you know what I'm you know, I feel destined to do and uh, mm-hmm. proclaim because. Um, like I said, I was my worst enemy. I was my only enemy when it came down to it. And um, I got out of my own way, and now I'm telling my story and changing lives, and that's what it's all about. And 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 you are, you know, like, you know, you're changing lives, and, you know, this conversation will change lives. And I'm I'm so, you know, again, like I said, you know, there's a different – I don't know what it feels like to, to depend on alcohol, <laughs> right, or to depend on, you know, on drugs. But I, you know, I kind of want to take tap from the strength of what it feels like to depend on whatever else it is that you're dependent on that's, you know, dependent on that you shouldn't be, right? And how you can just basically, um, you know, overcome that. And so I'm, I, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy that we're having this conversation and we're talking about that. So now you're unstoppable, you know. Being unstoppable has led you to where you are now in in your life. What would you say for a lot of people? What would you say is what separates the people who are unstoppable from those who think that they are not? What would you think? You know, what what do you think separates them? You know, the people who say, you know, who are unstoppable, who say no matter what, never say die for it, and those who think that they're not. What would you say? You know, separates them really. Uh, without question for me it's i work backwards always i know i make a decision mm-hmm. and then i say look uh, this is what i'm doing for me it was not drinking uh, before that was mm-hmm. you know, i'm coming back athletically <clears throat> at post getting hit by a car mm-hmm. or i'm going to accomplish this for some people they don't they, mm-hmm. they see me as kind of a blowhard if you would or i like to proclaim this and then mm-hmm. you know why are you always saying about it because i do that for two reasons alex one it backs me into a corner where I got to back up what I'm proclaiming. Number one, and number two, <laughs> I know my outcome. I know my outcome. So, working backwards, if I say, "Hey, look, I'll be back on the football field in five months," and I do that, I just I fail forward always. So, you know, when I wake mm-hmm. up every day and go, you know what, 
this is going to be a miserable day. But I'm not even thinking about the pain. I'm thinking about how I'm going to feel at the end of the day, knowing that I just accomplished something that I didn't think I could do come that morning. And that's a daily process. It's, it's a, you know, um, I've been sick for the last three weeks, but I've been back to the gym a couple of days. I push myself hard, harder now at 47 years old than I did really at 20 because I'm older. And so mm-hmm. I have to know what I'm mm-hmm. going to do and then go after it relentlessly until I accomplish it. Because the difference between me and everybody that walks this earth and everybody that's ever walked this earth is absolutely nothing. You got to know your outcome. You got to make mm-hmm. a decision. You got to go after. You got to go after it with a warrior spirit and a passion. That that big F word that some people like to use is called failure. There is no such mm-hmm. thing. That's a perception. It's not reality. And mm-hmm. when you know that, when you know that, your daily struggles become not so hard. And um, you mm. just know that once you, when you keep your nose to the grindstone and you keep working hard, whatever it is, if it's writing a book, if it's uh, being an actress, if it's making a movie, if it's working for the state of Texas, it doesn't matter. If you know your outcome and you know what you're going to do and you proclaim to yourself and your higher power or whoever, write it down, mm-hmm. whatever, you go after it relentlessly and say, look, I'm going to do this. Nothing can stop you and other than yourself. Joey, this is so like, you know, I am like just right now doing like the little holy dance kind of like thing because, you know, I totally agree with you. And, you know, you're talking about proclaim, uh, proclaim, you proclaiming, you know, the things that your goals and the things that you want. I totally believe in that. And while I call it something else, and I think people just have different names for it, you know, while I say I'm expressing and I'm expressing, I express it, I express my desire, my goals to the universe, and I put it out there. I love to put mm-hmm. it out there, right, and tell people this is what I'm going to do. And like you said, when I, I – and people always ask me, why do you tell people this is what I'm going to – and I, and I say to myself, well, it kind of keeps me accountable, right, in a sense, because if Absolutely. I put it out there and I let the world know – that this is what I'm going to do. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to be the person who doesn't do what she says she's going to do. So I have automatically become accountable. And that, that just means that I have to go get it. So I'm just so excited because, you know, we kind of believe in the same thing. You proclaiming and saying, hey, I'm going to be back in the gym. I'm, you know, I'm going to be back on the field. I'm going to, I'm going to play a game. It doesn't matter what you guys say. I'm going to, and it's true. When we say that we're going to, nothing really can stop us. It may take us longer than we plan, but we eventually are going to go get it because our minds are already made up that we're going to get it. So I, you know, I'm just so, you know, I'm very grateful that you were able to spend some time with me here on the show and just, you know, share a little bit of this. But let me ask you this, you know, just before we, and I know we don't have so much uh, time, but let me ask you, what would you say is one of the most difficult lessons that, you know, the adversity that you've experienced um, has taught you? What's the, what's the worst experience lesson, I've endured? You know, or No, just what's the, oh, the like biggest the lesson, you know, what would you say the biggest lesson, yes, that, you know, you've learned? Oh, basically. wow. It's so, I, I, lo- I love this. I tell myself all the time, Alex, you know what? Be easy on yourself. Be kind. Love yourself. Be your be your biggest mm-hmm. cheerleader because when everybody when everybody's running from you, in my case out here they call me crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. I say get out of my way because you know what you're right. I am crazy. So, so um, 
I got something to do. So get out of my way while those crazy mm-hmm. folks take over. That kind of thing. But um, you know, just be easy on yourself. Be easy on yourself. And you know, for me, it was beating myself up post accident with mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. And I didn't know it, but it was beating myself up daily. And it was beating myself up daily. And every day was a 12-round fight of beating myself up. But once I decided that, hey, look, I should be a little easier on myself and kinder, that was mm-hmm. my biggest lesson mm-hmm. because um, I, I, then I could love myself, literally. Mm-hmm. Not, not, to, not, from a, not from a vain point of mm-hmm. view, but from a, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I wasn't – I didn't make such a bad decision or maybe, you know, I should have mm. done this. Just give up on beating yourself up and love yourself. Mm. That's really my biggest lesson. Be kind to yourself. That is definitely something we need to all take away. Be kind to yourself. And it's true, you know, because a lot of the things that, you know, like you say, you know, a lot of the, the challenges and turmoil, you know, the battle that we have inside is really with ourselves. You know, as we tell ourselves we didn't do enough today or we're not enough, you know, like you could have done more. Like what more could you have? I mean, yeah, sure, you could probably possibly have done more, but you're not, you know, what you, you can't, like if you can't change it, I mean, what's the point about worrying about something that you can't change? It's happened already, right? So you're right when you say we need to be kinder to ourselves, you know, and truth, truthfully, I mean, if you love yourself, you treat yourself better. Right, and now that you love yourself, you're not putting all those poisonous things into your body anymore because you realize that you know, you know, you have to be kind to yourself. So I, I think that this is really, really amazing, um, Joey. Thank you so much for just, you know, just sharing, you know, wisdom. And and I believe I love you know storytelling as a creative. I like to share stories. I think that people are really touched and impacted by just seeing what another person has accomplished or what another person has overcome and just how, and I know that there are definitely people who are dealing with something who are going to find something, you know, just in the conversation that we're, you know, we've just had. So moving forward and just before I let you go, and I know that I have to let you go, um, just any final words for the listeners? Wow, you know, re- reach out to me. Uh, I would love to have a conversation with as many people as I could. It, um, I'm easily um, found on all uh, platforms of social media. Um, I'm Joey Ortiz, of course, or you can find me at joyortiz.com. Um, let's have a conversation. I'm all ears. Oh, wait. I think we have a caller. It seems like we have a caller. Um, obviously, somebody's dialed in. <laughs> well, let's see if we can take this just before... You need to be sure. I don't know. Hello, who's there? Hi. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Um, my name's Bob, and I'm calling from the Whitsunday Islands in Australia. And um, <laughs> Hi, Bob. Love the content. Okay. Love the content. Yeah, there's a bit of a time to yeah, there's a bit of a time delay, so I'll just keep talking until you tell me to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep it flowing. <laughs> yeah, how to be unstoppable in the face of adversity. Now, how how I mm. do that, um, I am master and commander of my life, and I take total responsibility for everything that happens in my life. Now, Amen. why it happens, why it happens doesn't really bother me because that's in the past. And the answer to that question, why, is always the same. I have created this event 
there is a lesson I here I need to learn from that event and take forward with me in my journey. Now, on March the 23rd, Cyclone Debbie came through the Whitsundays up here, and I was living on a boat, which is all I had, and took my home away, took everything. Um, I managed to save myself and my two dogs. And um, and it was an awesome wow. experience to actually live live through wow. that cyclone, you know, with shipping containers blowing down the road and petrol pumps being blown over. It was amazing to see Mother Nature uh, at her, you know, most brassy and survive. Um, but the lesson I learned from that um, incident um, was to totally let go of the attachment to things. You know, Absolutely. so... Um, yeah, it's... Um, and for me... Um, all of my problems in my life um, have come from a position of sort of not loving myself enough. But mm. even above that, above that, the, the bigger cause was no longer believing in myself. And disbelieving mm. in myself began when I was about four and a half years old. You know, um, when, when I came down to breakfast in my red T-shirt and I said... Bobby, go up and put your blue T-shirt on because you know you love your blue T-shirt. But I stood up confused thinking, well, I put my red T-shirt on because I love my red T-shirt. But Mum says, I love my blue T-shirt. He must be right. You know, and she's big and she's angry and she's violent and she's Mum. And so that started a pattern, you know, of me not Mm. believing in myself, believing what other people said about me. So now I have reclaimed me and I, I'm, I totally know who I am. I live in the now. I live in heart space. And uh, what can I say? I had 20 years of depression, but I, I healed myself because depression is nothing more than a spiritual wake-up call. You know, it's like it's nothing to do nothing to do with drugs and, and psychiatrists and psychologists. It was just my heart and soul slapping me, saying, "Come on, wake up, live your truth, or I'll keep slapping you until you do." So for me, depression was a gift. I'm going to connect with you, Joey. Um, Yeah, um, Bob. Yeah. I want to, I want to tell you, sir, thank you so much for saying that. Um, You know, there's something we didn't talk about and I'm not keeping score, but I went through years of depression. I didn't know it and that we didn't talk about this, but also over a nine year period of time, I was hospitalized nine times and there was no. Wow. um, punishment from work or anything it was really just three-day mini vacations but um you sharing what you just shared with me right that 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 left a huge impression on me that i probably won't sleep well tonight because of just thinking about your struggle because (laughs) your struggle your struggle sir it it may be different than mine but it doesn't make it any uh less worthy we all go through Mm -hmm. them and like Mm -hmm. you said sir and which i believe to the t it's not um, what happens to you; it's how you respond to it, and that is that is yeah. that is that's awesome that you that you stated that because I well, I didn't point that out, so thank you. Well, I'll just respond, and again, I'll keep talking until you tell me to shut up. Is uh, <laughs> I spent my life in research, so I've got an, an amazing intellect, yeah. Um, but I Absolutely. started on the journey with the president in 1984. 
And all the time I was taking all these different medications and stuff, I was researching them. And I, I must be a bit of a slow learner because it took me 20 years to realize that all these medications have one common denominator. One of their side effects is feelings of suicide, anxiety, and depression. So I thought, well, once, uh, once the light bulb went off, I thought, well, this isn't a no-brainer. Why am I taking these things? You know, all I'm doing is feeding Big Pharma. So being very sensitive, um, I sat down one day and said, what's the longest relationship I've had in my life? And the answer is, well, it's with me. Ergo, I'm the only expert on my life. Let's have a look at this pain of depression. So I sat down and suddenly realized that the pain I was feeling was just the pain of any natural, loving, living human being having to live in such a corrupt and wicked and dangerous society. So once I could identify the pain, I could put a boundary around it and put it on the shelf and, and deal with it. And that was about nine or ten years ago. And since then, I've you know I've been off uh, no medications. Um, you know, no, I've broken a couple of psychologists and psychiatrists since then. <laughs> Is it? No. I love it. Well, well, yeah, what I've well you know, well. No, I was just, you know, I'm just, yeah. you know, this is like, I'm, I'm, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for just, you know, jumping on the call and, you know, sharing with us. And I, you know, I think that I just got like chills. I got like total chills just listening to you share your experience and your, in your, um, just how you as well, you know, have been able to love yourself and, and, and become who you are now. And, you know, I'm sure that the listeners are just, appreciative of that and we thank you you know joey and i thank you but joey let me just ask you you know like like you were saying you know you said we never mentioned we never talked about you know your depression and, and you had that ex- you had the you know and and you probably should have you probably would have sorry um just with all the you the the drinking and the you know the drugs and all of that but you know i think it was really you know it was beautiful to listen to bob from australia just basically shares on our experience right absolutely Absolutely. Without yeah. that, made my day. <laughs> well, you know, we have to wrap this up, and we don't have that much time. I wish we, you know, we had uh, we. I wish we had much more time. You know, it's uh, we have to wrap the show. But you were just telling the listeners where to find you. So, where can they find you if they go to your website, social media? Where where's the best place to connect with you? Because I know. Definitely know that there are people who are going to catch up on this conversation who are going to want to reach out to you because I know that somebody somewhere is struggling with something. Definitely. We're all struggling yeah, with something. So Absolutely. There, there's a lot. There's a, the best place would be uh, joeyortiz.com. Um, a lot of information. Um, I have uh, – there's great ways to contact me through that, um, uh, schedule you know, speaking engagement, things like that. Bob, if you're still listening, re- please reach out to me. I'd love to send you a book and um, a hat if you wear them. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're all struggling with something. And you know what? The, the thing to leave you with this, I always <laughs> love to remember this. Live, learn, and share. And if we can do that, we'll all be unstoppable because we can help each other. Leave, learn, and share. Kind of reminds me of something you said. If you 
If you have, you give. If you learn, you teach. So leave, learn, and share. Absolutely beautiful, Joey. So, yes, if you want to connect with Joey, if you're listening, don't forget that you just click on the show notes. If you click his name, it will take you straight to his website. It's already linked to his website. So you don't even have to try to remember joeyatees.com. Just click on his name. It will take you right to his website. And then, of course, you can find out more about just all the amazing uh, stuff that Joe is doing, his books, you know, his speaking, and just contact him and let him help you. I mean, he's del- I mean, who better, right, than somebody who's overcome um, just um, a lot of adversity and has, you know, is basically, um, you know, an unstoppable force in the world. So thank you so much, Joey. This has been such a pleasure um, just chatting with you. And look at look at how time flies, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, well I I just want to tell you, Alex, thank you so much for having me. And you know, anytime I would love to come back because we've got a lot more to still share. <laughs> I would love, I would definitely love to bring you back on the show. And you know, I'm sorry we had a little bit of the tech issues, but you know, I'm I'm gonna love to bring you back. Maybe on a roundtable conversation, and we can have more people. Maybe we can invite Bob from Australia. Bob, you know, I, you know, I love having Bob. I'm sorry, I I wish you could have stayed longer. But we have to wrap the show right now. So thank you so much, Joey. And thank you, Bob, for calling in all the way from Australia. Thank you for, to everyone else who's listening. And don't forget, if you missed the show, you can catch it right here on the radio channel. Um, it's going to be archived 24-7. Or just go to our website, www.thenakedtalks.live. And, of course, listen to Joey Ortiz. So till we come back again, same time on Friday Radio Special. I love you for listening. Ciao. Some scripture out, it's some filter out, it's some talk, damn censor, it's some scripture out, it's some filters out, it's some talk, damn censor, it's some scripted out, it's some filter. with Al.